listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Jeff. And uh, look, I, we're recording this and I think all of North America practically is under a deep freeze of yeah, sorts. it's true. Um, so, uh, you know, just hope everybody's staying warm out there. Indeed. You know? Yeah. No, we're, we're lucky to be indoors in a place that <laughs> often is you know, without power. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. For days on end sometimes. It's kind of so. uh, not often that the uh, entirety of North America is kind of, with the exception of, well, I shouldn't say North America, say U.S. and Canada, um, with the exception of maybe Florida, is kind of just all kind of, you know, we're all now enjoying winter together. Yeah, so. yeah. I saw a stat yesterday that said something like 78% of the lower 48 is under a blanket of snow right now. Ah, which look, is, look at you with the stats. I know, I know. That might be the most. I mean, that's a that brings our whole pre-show banter to a different level. I mean, if we're going to start throwing you have out to do meteorological stats, well, we are Canadian. We do have to talk Oof, about the weather. It's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> color me impressed. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited about today's show. Me as well. And I mean, we uh, you know we've done a fair amount of discussion about uh, you know what life may look like in marketing and sales post-COVID, and uh, our next guest is going to give us some of his thoughts about where he thinks um, relationship selling is going to go in a post-COVID era. Yeah, what I like about the, you know, this type of episode is like, you know, what I'm hoping is that, you know, it's more just almost a thought experiment, right? It's just yeah. what could be. And uh, so we'll try to predict the future uh, and uh, uh, just uh, be assured that we're wrong. Well, I mean, at least we're we're basing it on uh, what people are experiencing now, um, where they've come from, and uh, yeah. maybe where they hope to go or where they expect to go. It's so, fun. Yeah. So joining us today is Ryan Carley. Ryan is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Mason Controls. Welcome to the Coolering, Ryan. Thank you both. Glad to be here with my hands wrapped around a mug of tea trying to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ryan, uh, great to be chatting with you. You know, I got to say, uh, I, I, I'm... I'm Keen for you to uh, give our listeners a bit of background about yourself and then dive into Mason Controls a little bit because they do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. certainly certainly something, uh, especially like pre-teen me would have really loved to <laughs> see. <out> about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. Along with all those models of F-14s hanging from my ceiling in my yeah. bedroom. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Ryan, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Ryan Carley, uh, VP Sales Marketing, Mesa Controls. I've been working in aerospace for about 15 years uh, from the East Coast originally, so grew up a little bit of snow, now living in Southern California. My blood is totally thin, so I think it's 50 today, and I had to wear a scarf and you know gloves almost my way to work. Um, <laughs> Uh, really enjoyed working in aerospace for a long time because the 14-year-old me is is still very much alive and kicking. So uh, very excited about the products Mason Controls makes. We make anything that pilots use to fly airplanes or helicopters. Uh, we also make grips that control tanks. We have naval applications. So it's kind of like that human-machine interface. And our, our sweet spot is that taking the input from a pilot or a user of a, of a vehicle and, and crafting a product that really um, is comfortable, lasts a long time, uh, and innovating different and new ways to, uh, to do that. Very cool. <laughs> it is very yeah. cool. Yeah. No, it, absolutely, fourteen-year-old me would be all over that for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, I yeah, know. I find it pretty awesome, and I'm uh, well north of fourteen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, say no, we all. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I, I think the 
you know, the, the wannabe, um, interface designer in me i think kind of you know there's that true human interface you know but not with the screen right yeah yeah that's what makes it so so interesting um so and ryan you know i think it's a our conversation in the lead up to this show i mean we we kind of chatted a lot about how um kind of sales happen at 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 mason controls or at least how they used to happen pre-covid so can you can, can you give us a paint, at least begin to paint a bit of a picture of how that process worked um, when we could actually be face to face? Sure, it's you know it's it, aerospace sales is something that is a very long cycle. Uh, as a salesperson, you might work on a a project or a bid for three, four, maybe even five years before it comes to fruition, and then after that, it may not be another three, four, five years until you're delivering product at full rate because of the development timescales involved. Uh, and on and a lot of it as well has to do with uh, funding of governments who want to buy different aircraft or different products. And in the commercial space, there's a lot of R, and, there's a lot of R that goes into uh, the R&D before a new aircraft platform is launched. And, and prior to COVID, uh, we had a few sales folks. Um, we, we prefer here at least to have sales folks directly as part of the business. Um, so we have two guys uh, here and one person on the East Coast, but they spent a lot of time on the road and they spent a lot of time out in front of customers and visiting customers, probably two and a half on average, or maybe three weeks on average a year, including visits to trade shows. And it's it's all about, um, in the past, it's all been about that kind of accidental, well, I want to say accidental, but we get a lot of accidental conversations, let's say hallway conversations, if you will, that occur and you develop relationships that can span different customers as people move around in the business. So it spans different programs and we, we have sales by territory. And so folks are in the territory, they know the bit, they know our customers, they know um, the people themselves and they, they live um, and they travel in the same area. So it was, it was very much about face to face relationship selling, uh, not over the phone, not over video, uh, so COVID has really thrown us for a, a wrench into our our normal sales tactics in the past year. I remember you mentioning it was almost a, you know you just start wandering through the hallways and have conversation and, and <laughs> find you can kind of almost pick up business along the way. Um, and uh, it just struck me in that moment that there's there's no hallway roaming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a total lack of hallway roaming. <laughs> Where, where are most of your uh, sales team coming from? Are they uh, previously in defense or aerospace or the military, or are they kind of coming more from the manufacturing side? Uh, typically coming from from aerospace. Uh, if, if they have a defense background, that's a little better for us. We're, we're, we are a, probably a 60-40 uh, defense commercial type business. Um, but usually you find people that have been in the business a long time they have the relationships that you can utilize, whether it's in the commercial or the, the defense space, to to bring in new business. Um, bringing in somebody new from outside of the business, we've done that as well. Um, it's just a little more work to hit the ground running, a little more work to uh, to kind of get up to speed on the different platforms and how the supply chain organism fits together, because uh, it can be a little complex amongst the all, all the OEMs and tier ones and tier twos that there are. I can imagine. And I have to think that having that experience, especially in, on the defense side, kind of enables those conversations to happen more freely when they're, you know, if they're roaming the halls of, a, of an aircraft manufacturer or something like that. Yeah, um, I can think back to when I was a, a sales uh, en- engineer a few years back and, and going to visit customers. 
and uh, you'd walk down the hall and you'd be going to a meeting and you'd see this person and think, oh, I think I've seen that name on an email and the person's there. So you say, hey, I'm, I've been on a couple emails with you. I'm Ryan. How's it going? And then, oh, here's my card. And then, oh, what are you working on today? Oh, I'm working on this program. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. You know, don't forget we do. Oh, that's right. You do. You do that product. And so then a couple months later, you might have a, an RFP or an RFI that comes in for that product. Now, first off, you make that sound very easy. Um, well, but uh, <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying. Of course, there's a lot more that goes into it. But <laughs> but, uh, but let's uh, but look. That, that's obviously predicated on having uh, customer site access. And uh, and you know, as we look ahead, um, I mean, right now, um, I guess as we're recording this, it's uh, mid February. Um, you know, vaccine rollout in America is. Uh, going faster than it is certainly in most of the rest of the world. There's a few countries that are maybe ahead, but um, uh, but vaccine roll is going reasonably well in the U.S. Um, and I think there's some general optimism that by summer, um, anybody that wants to be vaccinated will be vaccinated. But as you're looking at it as the VP of sales for Mason Controls, are you projecting, eh, we're going to be back uh, being able to be face-to-face, press on the flesh with customers in August? Or what do you think that's going to look like in terms of even when you're going to be able to even get back into their offices? That's We have that debate <clears throat> often. I have one sales guy who works for me who every almost every day comes into my office. We need to go see a customer. We need to be in front of them for this. We need to talk to them. I'm like, I, I know, and I really want to be there. But it's it's a it's a, it's a funny conversation to have because it's a two way street. It's it's our risk level and our our willingness to go out and travel as a business and as people who work at Mason. But then the other side of the coin is the same exact conversation for our customers. And so far, I I think that personally, I don't think it's going to be back to quote unquote normal in terms of being able to be out and about and be um, hop on a plane for another maybe a year, maybe January twenty two, when there's more saturation of the vaccine out there just because then everyone's comfort level, us and our customers is going to be even higher than it is today. Um, But, you know, we're taking it case by case. Uh, I was super stoked. I had to actually look in my drawer yesterday to find my business cards. I haven't used them in so long. Uh, Actually had a customer come in and visit yesterday and socially distanced, took the temperature, wearing the mask, you know, in a big room, six feet, more than six feet apart, actually. But it was, you know, uh, wearing a suit to work. It was like, it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty rare that you hear that. You know? I, I know. I, I was really stoked to wear nice clothes. I was thinking about that, though. I wonder if we're going to actually have a resurgence, you know, when things get back a little bit more normalish. If people are going to be like, no, 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 you're dressing up for the office now. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. this casual office. No is, more sweatpants. This isn't going to work for me, by the way, because yeah. I have like one outfit generally, and it's like a black <laughs> t shirt and blue jeans. But. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I I do kind of wonder if we'll almost uh, over-index in some of those yeah. things we haven't been able to do. Yeah, it's I, I think that it's the other challenge I, I foresee is that how are we going to know when customers are in office and where they are in office? Because I, we've had a couple of our customers who they, let's say they have three big office buildings in this office park and a manufacturing facility a few miles away. Um, they've, they're have they thinking about, and they've told us that they're, they're thinking about closing two of those buildings and just having one and then having kind of a rotational schedule where people A through D or whatever have you might be in from Monday and Thursday and everybody else is Tuesday and Friday. So uh, 
then it's just a whole nother dimension in terms of travel and scheduling where you're like, okay, is this person in and I'm going to go over here tomorrow, but oh no, that's the day they're at home. Well, I can't go to their house because that's weird and creepy, but let me go over, you know, so it's just another complexity you'll have to address. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, I mean, I hadn't really, I mean, I guess I'd thought about uh, how or how the org- organizations will change, how office uh, structures may be different. Um, I hadn't really, I suppose, thought about no. that through the lens of then just showing up at a place means, you know, what's the likelihood that the person you want to talk to is even there. Yeah, it's kind of the, the in-person thing of the problem with account-based marketing targeting right now where you can't target by IP because nobody's in the office yeah, anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the, the corollary to that yeah. on a personal level. Yeah, very strange. Um, well, I mean, look, we're, we're looking at a situation where um, uh, you're projecting potentially another 12 months of um, selling uh, a new way um, uh, or or having to do things differently before uh, things are quote unquote back to normal. Um, I guess, what does that, what does that look like for Mason controls? I mean, how, how are you adapting the, the sales process um, uh, to, I, I guess, keep things going here in the next year? We've, <clears throat> so we've tried to be as, uh, as different as we can be because we and not not quite to this level but the mindset that we have is is that like can i send donuts to your house kind of thing or can i send you a pizza if we have lunch and we haven't really done that because that's that's a little hard of course logistically but we're trying to think in that way of making it fun when we have a call or making it a little bit different to make it stand out because like like you both and i'm sure most people listening spend a lot of time in front of a computer and on the phone these days as opposed to perhaps having in person meetings or being able to walk around and visit people so what what makes that pop and what makes that different and uh, one of the small things that we found that that have kind of helped break through break the ice a bit is when we have a call with a customer and it's on zoom or webcast which webex which most you know most are these days whereas a year ago you probably rarely find that uh, we always turn our cameras on and our customer may not have their cameras on, uh, but what we found is that over time, it's almost like they get guilt tripped into turning their camera on. So you see it enough and you're like, man, I got to turn. Okay. He has his camera on. I'll turn mine on too. And that, you know, it didn't helps. And then you see them, you see probably their house and maybe you can develop a relationship through something you might see in the back. Oh, I, oh, I went to school there. You know, and that's, that's that human link that, that, help me help you. It's a real person with a a soul and a heartbeat on the other end that's so useful. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Man, it, um, yeah, I don't think that, um, I, I don't know that this pickle is going to be a cucumber again either. I don't, I, I think, uh, I think the change is going to be somewhat permanent for salespeople. You're going to have to be good at selling on camera. I mean, or remo- or remotely in general. I mean, you know, I, I think to, but but to the point, I think it's going to have to. I think most salespeople have to get their head around it that I need to get good on camera. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, on camera is one thing. 
good on the phone is another. And just good. I mean, good. It's a tech savvy um, point too. I mean, a lot of, I don't know, I'm sure, with, especially with recording the podcast as well, the first five minutes of any meeting these days are the, uh, well, like I did, couldn't hear me when I signed on, right? Oh, got to change my mic setting. <laughs> got to make sure the camera's facing the right direction on the laptop. Uh, is somebody being loud in the office or, or in, in the room next door at home? So there's a lot more um, prep, I think, that goes into it than there used to be as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we pre-COVID, we did all of our selling remotely, but it was still via the phone. You know, you were still using GoToMeeting or whatever, but you did it over the phone and, and nobody turned their camera on. We we tried it for a while and there wasn't anybody into it. So yeah, no, it, video calls just accelerated. Exponentially. Yeah, 10 years in, yeah. in, in the first two months of COVID. Really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I have to think. What, what other, you know, you, you mentioned kind of looking for ways to connect with people when you're, you're um, doing this remotely. What are, what are some other things that you've noticed or heard from your team in terms of like things that have really helped to make that connection virtually? Uh, I think that they've discovered that it's, it's even more important than it was before to be able to very quickly read the tone of a customer and understand like, um, and kind of learn their habits as well. Um, we have, a, we have, I'm thinking of one customer in particular that, We've learned that typically they don't they don't like to answer the phone in the morning. So we used to call a lot in the morning to try and find out status on things or ask questions and never got a result. But it's but this person likes to do afternoon phone calls. So it's we know after two o'clock, then then they'll pick up the phone. And it's really easy. There's a there's another one that never answers the phone, which is which is um, a challenge. But if you if you book a meeting in and you just put it blindly in, which previously I would have said no, don't do that because that's rude and you don't know. But in this day and age, for this person, it works out that book a meeting in and then they'll get on the phone and you can have a conversation. Uh, so I think it's like picking up on those nuances of before it was about. Um, knowing the person's kid and the dogs and like a lot more of the peripheral things. I think now with being on the phone and being in the video, it's about that as well. But even before you get there, it's about really paying attention to the details of how this person functions and what their daily routine might be like and how they're reacting to you to be able to tailor the conversation to make it value add for both parties. Because you don't want to have the, hey, um, how's it going? And then the other person's like, um, good, but what do you need? Like, I'm really busy. And then this, my salesperson just goes on about like baseball or whatever. And the other person's thinking, <laughs> geez, I need to get off the phone. You know, you got to be able to read the room just using your ears, which is a much different way to do it. Yeah. It really, it really speaks to the, it kind of the changing nature of, of uh, perhaps the type of person who might be good at sales. You know, the, the, the empath is probably getting more and more, uh, coverage on the on the sales front you yeah know? so I, I have to think well i i, I uh, i'm just gonna highlight too I, I think the one thing uh that salespeople uh one one critical characteristic for them going forward beyond selling on video is there i don't think any anti-vaxxers are going to be a ought to be applying for sales yeah. roles yeah certainly not uh, outside sales <laughs> exactly right yeah. you know i mean i think it's a uh, it's a serious thing. It's a something you wouldn't have thought of before. Like no. it, you know, somebody would have that opinion. You think almost think that it's a political thing, whatever. Um, yeah. But now it's like, yeah, you're not getting site access to customers if you're. Yeah, that's we haven't actually. That's a really good point. We haven't e experienced that yet. Of course, we haven't been going anywhere, and we've had discussions here about the vaccine and how we can get it, and can we mandate it? And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into that conversation when it comes to rules and regulations, etc. 
Um, and I, I don't actually, I don't, I don't I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to work in the future. If, you know, today you go in and you, you take a box of like, do I have a fever? Or have I been in COVID? If you're going to go visit somebody potentially, I wonder if to your point, there'll be a box that says I've got a vaccine. And if the answer is no, you know, I would assume they're going to have to show proof of vaccination. Well, the, but uh, I mean, even there, you know, Ryan mentioning the idea of mandating vaccines for all of your staff, it, there, there are ethical yeah. concerns about yeah. vaccine passports and, and, you know, and access and, and all that. It, it's it's certainly very interesting. And, I, I, and the other thing that kind of, of course, moves into, especially from a sales context, is the idea of where we're going to go with in-person trade shows. Because, I mean, the it's it's really weird to think of being in a room with <laughs> you know tens of thousands of other people again and and mingling at the uh you know at happy hour it, it just it feels so strange i do love no sure because you start getting those i mean i don't know about you all but when in like around july is when i started to get that feeling when i watched a netflix show and i'd see a big crowd with no mask and i just think oh what do you put a mask <laughs> on those people <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so i mean what what do you think? Um, like, what do you and your team miss most about the the trade show experience? I think the biggest thing we miss is that we we use trade shows often to to walk the entire show, like grid pattern. We walk up and down every single aisle over the course of a day or two. We may have a booth where we have one or two people. Wait, you know, if anybody stops by. But the biggest draw we get from it is being able to go and see our customers, of course, but also the competition, because that's one of the only times where we're able to walk up to a competitor's booth. And of course, they do the same to us, but have a conversation, look at their products. Um, if we can, we might take a few photos of the products. So we understand the kind of things that they're, you know, if it's all right, if, that they're that they're working on that we may not have seen or that might be close to ours. Um, that's probably the that's the biggest that's the biggest reason I love going to trade shows is to is to see what's what else is going on out there that I don't know in my little window in in Los Angeles day to day. That has got to be really hard to replace. <laughs> like I just you know you, connecting with customers. Yes, it's more difficult. Yes, they're not all in the same place at the same time at the same bar. But they're at um, least expecting you to interact with them. You can find a way to yeah. get around that. Yeah. But how? I, I'm I'm at a loss of how you can replace that level of kind of competitive intelligence gain. Yeah, certainly uh, you're not going to see that. You're not going to waiting until it shows up on their website is not a substitute for seeing a prototype on the trade show floor. Yeah. That's what I was, I was in, in thinking about that question. I was thinking, well, we're going to spend more time on websites, but then to your point, they might, you know, I mean, if they don't put it up and you don't see the prototype on the floor or if you're trying to launch a new product, let's say like we were doing this a few years ago, we go to trade shows and look for these small companies that we may not know about. Cause you can Google for days and not find the 10 companies that are out there, but on the back row of the trade show where they have small businesses, they're there and they, they needed our product. And so it was really easy to walk up and talk to them. And today or in the future, and that's going to be a, a super challenging to do. Yeah, it's going, I mean, at least from a, uh, you know, kind of growth perspective, it, it's probably going to mean selling to more of the same people or to fewer new customers than previously, because you, it's just going to be that much harder to find the companies in the niche that you're looking for. And and actually, and I'm, I'm thinking about that maybe. And so I mentioned earlier, like we we like to have our salespeople direct because it just puts them closer to the business and closer to our customers. So 
Um, we don't typically use too many outside sales reps, like commission-based reps, but there could be an argument, I think, in the future where you'd want, perhaps there's going to be a, a bit of a resurgence in commission-based selling or sales reps or, or some sort of arrangement of that nature, because those are the people that in their territory would perhaps know those smaller customers better than than we would. And we would normally get from a trade show, but maybe that's maybe that's a shift that we'll see in the future. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I see, your, I see, yeah, I, I, I could see that making sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have you attended any, or have there been in the, in your space many kind of these virtual trade shows? And, and if there have been, have you been able to get any kind of, uh, I guess, a similar re- a level of competitive intel from them, or just not the same? Yes, not that. I mean, not the same. We've attended a few of them in the past uh, three, four, five months. And and they're they've been good. I mean, they're they're very well put together. They run their time. I mean, that's the one good thing is that it's very timely because it's easy to be timely online. Um, and and you can still get the same engagement. You can still send the same talks and get get a lot of the same information. Um, one thing that I think has been good about that is that when you're in the trade show site, I mean, basic blocking and tackling and sales is is going to go look at the attendee list. And the first thing I did when I went to a trade show before was print the list and look at all the companies that are going to be there. Now you're actually seeing the people's names. Uh, and in some cases, titles, depending on how much information they put in. So we've had we've used that in a few instances where we may not have known somebody at a certain customer or the right level of engagement in a customer. And in the past, of course, being in person or walking around, you might actually bump into that person um, in the future or in the today. If, if the buyer that you're talking to or the engineer doesn't a doesn't know or B isn't comfortable sharing or there may be a mix of reasons. We actually found that, okay, well, in the trade show, we can look at all the people. We have all their names. You know, you can find them on LinkedIn and message them. Um, now, there's the uphill battle where you're just another message in the noise, and it's there's still a lot of um, churn to go through to actually have a meaningful conversation because you have to separate yourself from the, from the chaff. Uh, but that's been kind of a cool thing because previously you couldn't get like a, a detailed attendee list, if you will, from, from trade shows, just companies. Do you think that that's, you know, as we get back to in-person events, do you think that that ability to prepare, you know, and kind of develop that target account list before you go into these events is going to continue to be a thing? Like are our our sales teams going to spend more time kind of prepping and the detailing, you know, these are the accounts and the tier ones that I want to meet while I'm there. Because you're thinking that basically because they kind of tasted the ability to do this virtually. Yeah, they're going to want to apply that as they go Hmm. forward, I wonder. I think I think that for for me at least there'll be an expectation that that yes that level of detail is maintained as much as it can be. Um, I think that for the people going to trade shows, I, and I'm just thinking from my own experience, like when I go to a trade show, I log on the app and I put in a bit of information, but I don't really fill everything out because it's just an app. I have it for a day. I don't really care. Like I know who I'm going to talk to, so I can imagine myself in a year or two years going back to that same behavior, not, you know, touch wood that we're able to go do that. Like we were used to with 10,000 people. So I think it may be still, it will go back to being a little difficult to do that. But I think the discipline and the, the creative thinking around out of the box ways to prepare is something we'll definitely keep going forward and, and learn from. Yeah. I have to think that, uh, trade show companies like we've had, uh, you know, the folks from IMTS and, and some of mm-hmm. the other large manufacturing uh, shows on the podcast and you know they're they're certainly thinking about what the needs of their attendees are going to be going forward so i wonder if you know how much their thought they're putting into uh making it uh, better to, in terms of creating relationships that's certainly been the hmm. the key thing that they've all been trying to replace with the online shows that mm-hmm. yeah it's uh... 
Yeah, and I, I, I guess it's, it's an ongoing question: Is there a hybrid that happens uh, in the in the future? Mm-hmm. Is there like do we learn something from the virtual events that carry forward? Do we just go back to the old ways? It's a I think a hybrid would be a really, for a trade show company, I mean, I, I think there's definite value in continuing some level, when we can go back in person, but continuing some level of virtual engagement, um, it, I mean, it'd be another revenue stream for them that they wouldn't have had two years ago. And I think you'd find people that would still like to go. Like, for example, I might send one or two people in person, but maybe I have three people at the factory who are too busy to step away, or I don't need to send five people, but I can put them online for two hours and they can pay a hundred bucks or whatever the number is and uh, I still get some value out of it. So as a leader of a sales organization, um, you've had salespeople selling uh, remotely for a year. So your travel budget um, <laughs> didn't get depleted this year. I mean, you probably have had some uh, great parties uh, just yeah. as a result of, uh, oh no, but, but you know what I mean? You've learned as a business that you can still sell and you can do so without that cost. Um, is there any kind of appeal to that, or does uh, it just the desire to get in front of customers outweigh uh, the thought that maybe we could just actually do this differently going forward too? I, I mean, personally, aside from the fact that I, I love planes, which is why I work in aerospace and I love traveling airports, so I just want to get out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think fair. I think that uh, yeah, and the parties just don't tell my boss they were some pretty they were some pretty good ones. Um, we. No, I, I, I can't wait to spend it. Um, yes, we had some, we've had some upside because we we're not spending anything on travel. Uh, but I would rather not have that and be able to get in front of customers because I think having that, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's good on a video cause you get some interaction and some humanness to it, but there's nothing that can replace that. Uh, let me shake your hand or fist bump or elbow, whatever that it might be and develop that rapport in person. Um, there's nothing that'll replace that. Let's go grab a sandwich from the company canteen in between this meeting and this meeting. Um, cause I think that's really, you have to, you have to be in person. I mean, it, kind of, it kind of makes me think like online dating is a, is a, is a challenge, I think, especially during COVID because you need that in-person connection. You need that. You'd have to have something to draw you towards people. I mean, look at in the beginnings of the pandemic when everyone was at home lockdown, it was really challenging because you just didn't have that. I mean, that daily interaction with many different people. And so it's a big adjustment. And I, as far as selling our products and, and selling into aerospace, I think you, and, and in most selling, you, you have to be able to build that rapport in, in person. So I'm definitely excited to increase my budget and, uh, and spend it. <laughs> I do wonder though, if this is somewhat, um, industry specific you know like if there are certain industries where it's you know as soon as we can we're going to you know defense and aerospace like this is a in-person relationship style thing i mean i i'm thinking of somebody i was speaking with the other day who's like i saved 600 grand not flying anywhere last year and i still sold as many (laughs) widgets as i did the year before you know and he was just like i i'm i'm sold this is what i'm doing from here on out yeah, I, I could totally see that being different. And even within aerospace, I mean, you go talk to an air, a company down the road from us, they're probably going to have a different opinion and different view. Um, this is what I, my experience is, is what we, how we prefer to run the, our business here. Um, and, and I think that at least within aerospace as well, that, that whole, like the network of people that you end up meeting and going through life with, so to speak, that the guy that you see on the email I talked about earlier in, in the podcast, there is a lot of leads that come in that way that, that you don't, you wouldn't find if you were selling online. And so oftentimes too, is our customers don't necessarily, 
they may know they may be pockets of people who know our products but they don't know it across the across the board at the customer and so there's that you need to be able to to link those webs together so you can actually um, sell something Ryan, thank you very much for sharing your uh, expertise with us today. It's just been a real a pleasure to kind of think through the impact of COVID on, on relationship selling. And uh, uh, I know that you've given me lots to think about, and, uh, and I'm sure the listeners as well. So, so thanks again. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>